In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, Richard Stamen and I, well, Mr. Mavs Draft, Richard Stamen, we are going to discuss his top five prospects in the SEC. We're going to talk about where he ranked them in the preseason and if they lived up to the expectations, and he's also going to give them a grade. Stay tuned. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And my co-host for today is Richard Stamen. You guys know Richard, Mr. Clip Guy, but have you, you seem like you've been kind of chilling out on the clips a little bit. You know, it's um, <clears throat> it's been a little bit harder since Synergy kind of capped it. They put this little blob. Uh, it's super technical. It's all like a blob link where it's really hard to clip it. You have to like go and scrap the full game, find this thing. It's become super tedious. I've been I've been slacking a little bit. You know, I think uh, I think hopefully that'll change. I took a little Twitter break too, so that combination hasn't been friendly. I mean, there's a simpler way to do it. Unless you just, unless you're like. I mean, like if you just go to the player, go to his individual clips, and if you go to like the last ten, and if it's from like the last game, then you'll be able to find like if it's the last fifty clips, and then I upload all of those clips, watch them one by one, and then I pick the one that I want, and then I can trim it down and upload it to Twitter. But I, I I should have taken notes before going through all these uh. these difficulties yeah i mean i I don't know which way you were doing it but that's always worked for me but now twitter like made it so my videos can't be two minutes now because i'm not subscribed to twitter blue even though we like even though we're verified we got verified so it's been it's been weird but i actually i actually i actually i can't talk i actually had time this week to put together a couple video clips i did one for braxton mia I did one for City Sissoko, posted all his dunks. There's actually one more that I... I think I did one on Riley Kugel also, and I'm really, really high on him. But let's talk about the SEC, all right? So coming into the season, you had five guys that were your top five prospects. Who was number one? Yeah, from the SEC, I, I thought it would for sure be Gigi Jackson. The the combination of size, he reclassified as a 17-year-old who didn't turn 18 until a month into the season. And I, you know, I liked the shot enough. I think I think even at Peach Jam, he was defensive player of the of the tournament too. So there was a lot. He had come off a really strong summer, and I thought the momentum would carry over. And, you know, I didn't expect South Carolina to be good by any means. So like what's happening now with with the team and the whole troubles aren't shocking, but the specifics of why there are troubles with Gigi Jackson are a little bit shocking to me, uh, just as someone who wasn't familiar with him in that level before. So he's dropped. He's obviously not my number one SEC prospect anymore, but he's actually still pretty close up there. So like trouble, are you talking about the immaturity the, issues? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No legal trouble or anything like that, but maturity issues. I mean, I 17 coming into the season. I'm not surprised by it. Someone had kind of alerted me on it before the season. Not a knock on him by any means, but they were basically telling me, like, this is a kid that is still living at home, I I, I think. But to their knowledge, he was still living at home, never got a chance to really 
you know, to go away to college and live in dorms or whatever. And he started the season at 17, which there are some high school juniors that are 17. And they had mentioned that they thought he was maybe sheltered is not the the best word to use, but they thought that he had been, he may not be as experienced life-wise as some of his peers who may have had to grow up a little bit faster. Um, but I mean, to me, the immaturity issues that funny is <laughs> kind of wrong for saying funny, but I just thought it was funny. It just shows you how immature he can be when because somebody has sent me a message saying that they made a comment about how South Carolina was not properly using him and then he liked it. And then you go on his Twitter and everybody that had a similar comment about he needs more touches, he needs more shots. He was liking, uh, you know, he's liking the comments there. I didn't see the IG live video, but I guess he went on IG live and, and was uh, agreeing with, with different people that had, negative stuff to say about the situation at South Carolina, which I personally don't always feel sorry for college kids in a sense, because you picked the school, you knew exactly. Like it's the only time that you can pick the school, your teammates, your coach. And of course there's exceptions like the coach may get fired. Somebody may transfer, but for the most part, if you're a one and done, you can hand pick your situation. And Gigi went to South Carolina knowing that he was going to <laughs> face a lot of, you know, a, a lot of defenses that are geared to stop him. So anyway, what would you give him as a grade? Yeah, I think it's still a, a good grade, right? It's like probably a B. I don't think there's any like fatal flaws that he showed. Uh, there are some issues, I think, with just the feel for the game. But again, like he's so young, he's playing a year up. He should be a high school senior right now. It's hard to really penalize him that much. I would still give him a B to B plus. I mean, he had some crazy good flashes and really at 17 on a bad team, that's what you're looking for is, is those nice flashes where he gets going, he finds his rhythm and he's doing a lot on either end. I, I think it was almost rare to find him having a great night on both ends, but there were so many flashes of him being a three level scorer. I think that's the biggest thing for me is just when you're that size, that athletic and he's about six nine, six ten, and you're a three level scored and you've shown those flashes, it's intriguing. Yeah, it's weird that there's a guy that has shown three level scoring flashes, but when you look at the numbers, he's really inefficient. But if you put it in the context, you know, maybe his teammates, um, his age, I'm still high. I would use a top 10 pick on Gigi Jackson. He was someone that popped immediately to me when I saw his film. And um, I'm still holding him where, you know, in the same range that I had him coming into the season. Right. Who was number two on your list of top prospects in the SEC coming into the season? So I'll preface this with I didn't fall in love with like any of the rest of the guys on my list. Um, SEC, I felt there were some guys who I was like, well, there's a gamble here. I get the appeal with the other three, but it's just I, I feel this guy has such a better floor given his physical tools, and that was Anthony Black. Uh, also probably some Dallas bias there, just having both of us have seen him in person multiple times here. There's probably some bias there, but, you know, 6-7 had guard skills, so I didn't know if he was actually going to be a lead guard or anything, and he definitely showed that he can do that. Um, I think he is somebody who 
he lived up to expectations preseason, but he he blew me away, I think, of what I thought he would be. Like, he was just number two in the SEC for me because I didn't like everybody else, but now I'm really sold on him being a guy who I actually think has a good future in the NBA. Do you think he is a lottery pick? I think so. I think teams are... My whole thing with him is like he's way more raw than giving credit for. I think if he consistently gets more and more aggressive, I think we've talked about this in the past, like he is aggressive, but I still don't think he's aggressive enough in a lot of areas. And if that shot does come along, plus he really has to trim those turnovers. I think he's still learning a lot about how to be a point guard and just run the offense. And that really was an issue in high school too, where the turnovers, I mean, against, um, I forget who, I think he played Arterio Morris's team, Kimball he had like seven or eight, nine turnovers against them. And uh, it was, it was really rough. And it's something where we've seen those high turnover games. So when he reduces all or improves all three of those things, he's going to get a lot better. Here's a question for you. So I got this call. I posted about it in my NBA big board article. So I got a call from a G league player. He's like, Barlow, like, what's up? He's like, what's the difference between Anthony black and city Sissoko? He said, why is one considered better than the other? And I could rattle off their similarities. And he said, well, if you haven't watched City in the last two or three weeks, then you need to go back and watch his film. And all, my, my biggest knock on City was doesn't always get to the rim, settles for pull-up jumpers. And when I watched the film, he was a totally different player. I mean, he is first in the G League in dunks as far as wings and guards. And City was, I mean, he was always athletic. He wasn't dunking like that. So it really made me think, like, what is the biggest difference between Anthony Black and City Sissoko? I know this is off topic a little bit, but what's the first thing that comes to your mind? So I say this as somebody who's actually had them ranked for most of 2023 very similarly uh, within, within five spots. I think it's exposure. I think people don't watch the G League. I think that's a big thing. I don't know where NBA teams, I can't really explain that one that much. I think it's just the the flair is different for the two of them. And actually, I think it favors Sissoko. But again, it's just that platform. I think people, for whatever reason, have discounted the G League Ignite from being this great program that it actually is. But just because it's not the traditional route that's on ESPN all the time, the most exposure it really gets outside of that one exhibition against Victor Wembanyama has been NBA TV. It's a lot harder to compete against the SEC Network, ESPN, ESPN2, CBS, all these games that are broadcasting Anthony Black, whereas C.D. Sissoko has seen national TV just a handful of times. It, it makes sense, but then it's like it didn't impact Jalen Green or it's not going to impact Scoot. Well, they're elite, though. I think it's because they're elite yeah. prospects. And then, well, Dyson Daniels, it's like, did he – was he always that high or was it just like draft Twitter? I mean, it's – I think it's so early. We really don't know what to think of overtime and the Ignite so far, even though the Ignite has had success in the guys to the league, but it's still it's still weird. I mean, you had Jaden Hardy – was a second round pick. Michael Foster put up good numbers. I know it's a style thing and he wasn't drafted. I thought Isaiah Todd put up good numbers the first year, better than guys that played in college that were, I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to take maybe five seasons for people to get a really fair assessment on comparing the G league to college.
All right, when we return, we'll talk about prospects three, four, and five. But let's talk about the Nissan's most electric player of the week, which is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And do you have a player that you think is the Nissan player of the week? I'm going with Drew Timmy. And it's more so a career achievement award. I know this is supposed to be the player of the week. But Drew has had a lot of really good weeks at Gonzaga. He is their all-time leading scorer. And I want to say he won like his fourth WCC conference in a row. I could be wrong on that. But he has had as close as, at least in this generation, we don't see too many guys stay four years. But he has had a great four-year career. I mean, they might even build a statue for him. So he is my Nissan Electric Player of the Week. Do you have anybody else in mind? Yeah, I'll go with somebody else who also won their conference tournament uh, yet again. And this is a name you might not have heard since right after uh, COVID, the first tournament since, which is Max Abemus out of Oral Roberts. He helped Oral Roberts win the Summit Summit League, uh, beating internet sensation Grant Nelson in North Dakota State in the finals. He averaged 21 points a game, seven assists on 43.5% shooting and on six attempts from the line, 94.5%. So he's he was ridiculously good in that tournament. Uh, I still not huge on him personally in, in the draft, but I mean, it was a great week for him and a great flash for him to get back in that conversation. Yeah, only if he played well in that combine after he had the big game against Florida, I want to say two years ago. And he was at the combine last year. Well, he did a pro day. But, man, his stock was extremely high. A lot of people had him as a first-round pick two years ago. But anyway, let's talk about the Nissan Aria. And it is electric. It is brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful, elegantly powerful. And it delivers a combination of fierceness and elegance. It is beautiful, but it's strong. It is the perfect SUV crossover. The 2023 Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle. It is the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. It is the electric vehicle for people who love to drive. You can find it at NissanUSA.com. All right, second segment is Rafael Barlow with Richard Stamen. We are talking about Richard's top five prospects in the SEC coming into the season. And before we, we went to break, we talked about Anthony Black. We kind of went on a little tangent there. But did he exceed expectations? Did he live up to the expectations or was he beneath the expectations? I think he exceeded my expectations. I, I think he was somebody who people talked about as a lottery candidate, but a lot of people were like, but let's keep him around 2025. And then, I mean, the Maui Invitational, I think one of the one of the Invitational tournaments in November, he exploded, had a couple big games. It was his coming out party. And ever since he's just been, uh, he's had a higher floor of a bad game than he had before that and a much higher ceiling of good games since then. So I, I think he's exceeded the expectations. Yeah, I had concerns, but ever since Maui, I've kind of kept him in that in that lottery range. All right, who is number three? Who's the number three prospect coming into the season? Oh, I see you shaking your head. So This hurts because it's not Brandon Miller. This oh. is where I messed up because for me, I liked Brandon Miller, but I, I thought I think I overthought the age. Uh, and then also I just wasn't sure how quickly he would translate. I, I knew he was a dude, but I didn't know if he was that dude that right dude. away. Like, so that's 
for me, like my stock changed at the, after the secret scrimmage, I was told he scored 30 points against TCU in one half, which is just absurd. Uh, so I'm counting before that, like truly in the off season of when I was ranking guys. And for me, it was case and Wallace. Um, I thought he would be that kind of Tyrese Maxey, which he's not, but you know, that kind of guard who's pesky on defense gets to the rim and shoots threes and, um, you know, not all of that has exactly been the case, but I mean, the, the, at least the threes and, and shooting, or I'm sorry, the threes and defense have been outstanding. I mean, there's been so many examples of that defensive playmaking. He's more of a high floor player, like a very, very high floor player for me, more than the high ceiling that I was kind of anticipating him being. So it's good and bad. You know, there's more polish to his game, but I don't know exactly if he has like star upside. Are you going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he goes to yes. Kentucky? Yes, absolutely. I, I say that, but like I said the same thing about Tyrese Maxey. I, I liked Emmanuel quickly. I think he was an easy target as the high floor, but not everybody is Emmanuel quickly where like it's very clearly written on the wall. There's a lot more Tyrese Maxey's than quickly's in terms of just like scouting and judging, projecting what's next. Yeah, I mean, Wallace is probably the guy that is in most people's lottery that is like the quietest prospect. Like you don't see highlights. This game is actually from a, like a highlight standpoint. He's not going to give you a bunch of crazy highlights where he's, you know, wowing you with athleticism and unless you like defense, he's going to be a solid player. Now, did he exceed your expectations, live up to them or was he a little bit below them? I think he, I'd say lived up to him. It wasn't something where, like he's constantly floated around, uh, you know, the eight, I would say, to like 14 range. That's been preseason and that's been now. Um, and, you know, he's been a good finisher. I, I was looking up the numbers while while uh, I was saying that because I couldn't remember exactly how solid he's been. I feel like he hasn't been bad, but I wasn't sure if he had been actually good. And he's actually shooting pretty well. He's shooting above college average at the rim. So for me, that was a big, that's a big swing skill. I'd say he's exceeded expectations, like ever so slightly, but at a minimum, like it's one of those things, if you're giving him a grade, it's a B plus, A minus kind of border. Okay. All right. Who's number four? All right. Now it's Brandon Miller. <laughs> <laughs> I I am very I I hate being wrong so like it it pains me but like again that was just my issue is I didn't know how good he would be how or like how quickly he would be this good. You know he he popped to me like he really did, and it's one of those things where I, you know it's like you got to trust your judgment and your you know your first instinct I mean and you can be right or wrong, and he popped to me immediately when I saw him. I did think that he settled for too many like mid-range jumpers, which is like totally been taken out of his his game at Alabama. They just don't don't allow it. And then I talked to some scouts, and the scouts weren't as high on him. I remember one particular scout telling me the shooting hasn't progressed like we thought it would. He's older than other guys in his class. He's inefficient. And then other scouts were like. Like one guy actually told me he's number two on my board. And then another guy was like, he's 20. And then it was just like so divisive. I still had him like top 10, but I mean, he had like the widest range. And I remember writing so many articles and talking about how divisive he was. And then I heard about the TCU game and, and one scout that was like, and he still has him at number two. He's actually had Brandon Miller number two since September. And 
Oh, man. He told me, he was like, I can send you the footage from TCU. And he's he's high on Brandon Miller. So, of course, now, you know, he's like, I told people, I I, I told people, or he told people in a, in a circle, but, you know, when you're a scout for NBA team, all your information just, I mean, you can't, like, post it online. But, yeah, he had him number two back in September. So and, you're telling – oh, sorry, go on. And he's like, there's so much more to his game that he hasn't been able to show. And I know, at least for me, I did think his mid-range pull-up and his ability to just shoot over smaller defenders was his best attribute. And he's been the best college player in the country, the best prospect, without that being his – you know, with that being taken out of his game. So I I think that he is – I mean, I got him solid – at number three, but he could actually move up to number two on my board also. Yeah, that's that's incredibly high praise too, I think, saying that because the one and two, it feels like it's always been a lock for as long as we can remember talking about the 2023 draft. Well, he had his shot chart. I mean, I, I don't know if you've pulled it up. He's taking less than 30 mid-range shots. I mean, it's a very analytic, analytical shot chart. I mean, there's three zones in the mid-range that he hasn't even taken a shot from this year. So. Yep. To me, that screams, that translates. He's already playing an NBA style shot selection and just like almost system, honestly. And I think for him, it's just how quickly does he adjust to the the tempo? It's six seconds quicker of a shot clock, but you know, it's not always that in college. It goes much more into 20 second possessions, whereas in NBA, it's more frequent to have 10 seconds possessions. But I, I think he's the real deal. I think he's probably one of the safest players because what if everything doesn't translate? he still has two to three major skills that he can fall back on and be yeah. at a minimum, like a, a high level rotation player. So, and especially what six, nine, six, eight, like he's going to do just fine for himself. It, there's, there's really no way the dude fails obviously like from on court ability. It should be said. I even think that once he gets to the NBA, we'll start seeing more of the mid range pull-ups kind of like, you know, a Brandon Ingram, where he's just able to elevate over guys. And we might see some mid-post stuff, which was something I was pretty impressed with. I thought he had a little bit more more game than he was able to show, and especially in the mid-post. And then he'll, he'll need to get stronger, but I think there's a little bit more offensive creativity to his game. All right, when we return, we'll wrap up number five, and then we'll talk about some guys that may make your honorable mention list. But if you're looking to eat healthy and you don't want to compromise taste, then you have to try a built bar because with built bars, healthy is actually tasty. They're good for you and they are covered with 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. I'm not sure how they do it, but again, they're healthy. They taste good. Only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And the good thing in starting in 2023 is that you can get built bars at Sam's and Walmart. If you want a 13 bar box, you can go to Sam's. If you're just looking for a four bar box, you can go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, and you can pick up some cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs. Or if you don't want to get out and you want to continue the old school way, I guess it's like not necessarily the old school, it's like the new school way, but it was the only way to get built bars before, you can go to built.com. Last segment. All right, we talked about Gigi Jackson, Anthony Black, Kaysen Wallace, Brandon Miller, and I mean, I have an idea who's number five, but who is number five? Yeah, so before I say it, it actually, like, 
if you've been following me, especially part of this draft process, like, you know, I'm not super high on Nick Smith. I was low on him before the season too. So, I mean, that probably, there's probably some bias. I don't recognize that is part of this, but I was also torn with one other player. You, you said we'll talk about honorable, honorable mentions. I'll, I'll keep that a surprise till then, but it was Nick Smith, you know, six, five, just brilliant perimeter score. It was hard to, it, it's hard not to have him as like a, you know, guy who, I mean, for me, I think he's Lou Williams. That's probably a really good, and it's such a lazy, lazy outcome. I get it saying like, oh, bench or like, you know, volume score, whatever, Lou Williams, or it's a lot of times reserved for smaller guys, but I do think that he could be primed for like a great career coming off the bench as just a score. I think that's probably his best role. Um, so for me, I had him not that high because I just wasn't sure of his guard skills. The thing that I didn't care too much about Nick Smith was I, I just didn't think he got to the rim enough. Shot a lot of floaters. And it's a it's a style thing for me. I like my point guard to be like really aggressive, attack, get downhill, and finish. And I mean, he he would get to the rim, but he always shot a floater. But on one hand, it makes a lot of sense. He's kind of slight of frame, and if he has a great floater in in the NBA, then he won't take as much punishment on his body. Unfortunately, he's been in and out of the lineup, but I think he scored like twenty four more in like three of his last four games. So he's trending in the right direction, and I'm just impressed with the fact that he's been able to do that while he's been a little bit rusty. I mean, it's not like he's had the same, you know, consistent routine or, or you know, it's just it's hard to miss, you know, a good chunk of the season and come back and be effective. The efficiency numbers aren't great right now, but I do think that a strong SEC tournament could actually propel him in the top five maybe if he has some some really good games but here's the question does Arkansas make the tournament yeah I think so I, I'm confident I know they're kind of on the bubble but I think they'll be given the benefit of the doubt I mean just given the the injuries that kind of derailed a lot of what they had I, I think they'll get a benefit of the doubt and you know SEC's been really good this year too should Nick be the point or the off by off the ball I think he's really good off ball I I think the Tennessee game is a prime example of why you don't want him to be the point. He he was reckless as a as a playmaker. Okay. Are you do you have him in your lottery? Or are you still a little lower on him? Right now, no. He's he's still top 20, but like he's just outside. Ooh. Okay. So has he exceeded expectations, lived up to expectations, or do you kind of give him an incomplete because just not enough games? Yeah, multiple answers incomplete. And then also, like, I mean, he's kind of been exactly what I thought he would be, where really good score, not that efficient, and just, like, he doesn't run a pick and roll. If he's running – and also, like you said, if he's going for a pick and roll, he's going to do two things, three things, really. He blazes past into a floater. So, like, the floater's kind of one. He'll try and maybe, like, reset and kick it out to a shooter, or he'll just go straight – Wait, he doesn't wait for the screener, which is always a, a thing that really irks me. He doesn't wait for a screener to fully get set, take advantage of that pick and just pop it from three with no, with no advantage created. So for me, I just, uh, I, I still have some reservations about him. Gotcha. All right. So who makes your honorable mention? Like who's the first name that, that comes to mind that didn't crack yeah. the top five. Yeah. And this is for preseason. Well, actually, so this is for like right now. Sure. Okay, that that changes the answer big time. So my the one I was gonna say actually was uh, the preseason guy. He hasn't been really on the floor. I personally don't understand why he was 
playing a little bit to start the year and he was getting blocks like crazy. I was really, really high on Ugona on Yenso. I was so big on him. I thought he was going to be that, that big man that Kentucky grooms, but he just hasn't seen the floor very much. So it's not him for me. I still like Julian Phillips a lot. Um, I think he's a guy who, yeah, the raw efficiency numbers aren't great. Free throw percentage is really good, though, and his feel for the game and effort are really good, and he's got a great frame and athleticism. So it's a lot to build on. It's a great foundation as a freshman. I'm investing. Before the season, an SEC coach told me that he thought Julian Phillips should be a two-year guy. He was concerned that going to such a, a good team that had veterans, he was going to blend in, and he, he thought that Tennessee was going to be good if he averaged six points a game or if he averaged two points a game. And his suggestion was, and this is before the season, that Julian does two years. He knows he's probably going to be one and done, but he thought doing two years and what he thought was a week 2024 draft and having a, a enhanced role would make him like a sure lottery pick in 2024. Have you been surprised by his production? I mean, last I looked, he was average about, was it, it was either 12 or maybe it was nine points a game. Maybe nine. I forgot, nine points a game. The efficiency yep. isn't good, but I didn't think that he would, I mean, I thought he'd, actually, I thought him and Anthony Black were two guys that were going to average six or seven points per game because both are in different situations. Black is unselfish. I thought Arkansas just has so much talent that he wouldn't have to, like, put up big numbers to have an impact. Yep. And then I thought with Phillips, because there's so many other guys on the team that can score and he's a freshman. Yes, he was the highly touted guy. I thought that he'd show flashes here, but he'd have games where, you know, he really doesn't do a whole lot. But he's actually scored more than I thought. I just thought he'd be a lot more efficient. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of similar. I also was low on him, though, coming into the year. I thought he was just a guy who... I didn't know what he would translate up from high school as I was having a really hard time with that, but you know, the efficiency is bad. He probably could. I think he's 50, 50. I, I could see both sides. One, you get uh, what I said, the foundation of that high level wing. Uh, again, that free throw percentage is very real. 82% four attempts a game and he's playing real minutes. I, I think that's a foundation for shooting too, but also at the same time, what if his breakout year is in college basketball it's almost like a josh primo situation from 2021 right he was going to have a he was going to get taken in advance so you're basically using that early year lottery pick or you wait for you know he waits around and he breaks out or maybe he doesn't so i i think he's better suited honestly i actually don't even know he's 50 50 for me who is your biggest surprise your biggest surprise freshman man i i think it's anthony black i mean it's kind of a lazy answer, but I mean, you just said it. Everything you said, I echo completely. Like, he, I really didn't expect him to be this good of a scorer and this consistent of a scorer, really. I mean, two come to mind. I'm a big Riley Kugel guy. I'm selecting him in the first round. I don't know how I didn't choose him. <laughs> so I'd say Riley and then Noah Clowney. Clowney was four-star recruit. And I just had a, an agent ask me yesterday. He was like, man, what, what are your thoughts on Clowney? He's like, we're going after him. And then he was asking my opinion. And I was honest. I said, look, if Noah Clowney came into this season with the same hype as a McDonald's All-American and just had this big buzz around him and he, you know, as a big, you don't have to 
put up huge numbers as a big to be considered a lottery pick. And he did this on a team that is going to be a number one seed. We'd probably be talking about him as a lottery pick. And he was like, you know, that's that's a fair assessment. So that's yeah, I mean clowny, but I I like Kugel. I think he is a first round pick. I posted about him, I want to say Monday, and I got a lot of mentions from people in Florida that were pretty upset because they do not want any additional draft buzz to to and he I, I read somewhere that he said that he's planning on coming back and I say this all the time. Until somebody tells you this is what you would make. Guaranteed for the next three years, if you're a first round lock, then it's hard to go back to school. Well, that wraps up this episode. Another great episode. Thank you, the listener, for making the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now, for your next listen, you got to check out the Game to Game podcast on the Locked On NBA channel. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are out.